0: 3rd, 1910, Theodore Roosevelt gave what would be the most widely quoted speech in his career. Uh, The former president, who had left office in 1909, spent a year hunting in Central Africa before embarking on a tour of Northern Africa and Europe in 1910, attending events and giving speeches in Cairo, Berlin, Naples, Oxford, among others. Stops in Paris on April the 23rd at 3 p.m., And before the crowd that was included, according to the Edmund Morris biography, Colonel Roosevelt, there were ministers in court dress, army, navy officers in full uniform, 900 students, and an audience of 2,000 ticket holders. Roosevelt delivered a speech called Citizenship in the Republic, which among some would come to be known as the man in the arena. In addition to touching on his own family history, war, human and property rights, the responsibility of citizenship, and France's falling birth rate, Roosevelt railed against cynics who looked down at men who were trying to make the world a better place. The poorest way to face life is to face it with a sneer, he said, a cynical habit of thought and speech, a readiness to criticize work which the critic himself never tries to perform an intellectual aloofness which will not accept contact with life's realities. All these are marks, not of superiority, but of weakness. Then he delivered an inspirational and impassive message that drew a huge applause. It is not the critic who counts. It's not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done them better, the credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there's no effort without error and shortcoming, but who does actually strive to do the deeds, who knows great enthusiasm, he knows the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause, who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least he fails while daring greatly, so that his place shall never be those cold and timid souls who never know victory nor defeat. i just going to read uh, in Haggai 2. It uh, It says, Starting in verse one, in the seventh month and the one and 20th day of the month came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai saying, speak now to Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and to the residue of the people saying, who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison as it is Nothing. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith the Lord, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Jehoshadak, the high priest, and be strong, all ye people of the land, saith the Lord, and work. For I am with you, saith the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you, fear you not. For thus says the Lord of hosts, Yet once... It is a little while, and I'm going to shake the heavens, and the earth, and the sea, and the dry land. I'm going to shake all nations, and the desires of all nations shall come. And I will fill this house with glory, says the Lord of hosts. The silver is mine, the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. And the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And in this place, I will give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. It probably was, I think in this story that I have today, it was probably in the, I believe it was either the late 80s or early 90s. And um, my father, uh, my dad, he had recently went through a a really difficult uh, time with Uh, his district uh, superintendent and church situation. And it it was over some financial matters and, and things that um, he had cared for rightly, but uh, his denomination was, uh, you know, effectively trying to pin his back against the wall. And he was just in a tough place. And uh, we were living, let's see, I think we were in Matthews, North Carolina at that time. And, um, it may have been that that I was about to, I was leaving home uh, to go into the Air Force. And Dad, uh, being in a tough place, goes to Asheville, North Carolina, to go to, a, a, I think, a small conference event. And it was, you know, just kind of parked in the back there and sitting and listening. And I think it was an event with some, you know, people that maybe he wasn't as comfortable with in the prophetic and uh, charismatic uh, type meeting. And, and he was sitting in the back, and it, it was a meeting with Kent Henry. And I don't know if y'all know him or have been ministered to by Kent. And I, I don't personally know him, but um, Dad was in the meeting, and Kent uh, stops worshiping the Lord on the stage. And he basically, from the very back of the congregation, he calls my dad forward. And he had, he, you know, the, the people kind of part into a sea and he comes forward and Kent tells him, tells dad that exactly verbatim what's going to happen to him. And he he tells him that he's going to be put out of his denomination uh, and that the Lord saw what had happened and, and that he, that dad had been righteous in his actions. And, uh, but to just make ready for that and exactly what Kent told him happened. I think it was within the next day or within the next week. Uh, and dad had to um, move on from his uh, ministry that he had been in for I believe at that point 20 or 25 years. And it, you know, it was political, it was wrong, it was it was because of money, it was it was just all that kind of stuff in organizations that you just can't stand to hear about especially in church organizations. But Kent quoted this scripture to him that day, and he he quoted to him out of Haggai, too. He said uh, to him, he says, Sir, your your latter days your, will be greater than your former. And Dad, I, I think, you know, they've seen a lot of people saved and had, you know, some great ministry. And so, you know, with that in mind, uh, you know, I remembered that story for, you know, for many years, and... I'm in a meeting, it's around November of uh, 2012, and we had a a gentleman come to our ministry, his name was uh, Danilo Castillo, and he comes into the meeting and he says, uh, you know, Pastor, I need to get up uh, and speak and I have something to say. And he said that that we needed to request from the Lord the key of David. And so we all our body, you know, made a request before the Lord for the key of David and started praying Isaiah twenty two twenty-two and revelation three seven through thirteen. Now in okay, Isaiah twenty-two twenty-two says, And the key of the house of David will I lay upon his shoulder, and he shall open and none shall shut, and he shall shut and none shall open, and I will fasten him as a nail in a sure place, and he shall be for a glorious throne to his father's house. And they shall hang upon him all the glory of his father's house, the offspring and the issue, and all the vessels of small quantity quantity from the vessels of cups and even the vessels of flagons. In that day, saith the Lord of hosts, shall the nail that is fastened in the sure place be removed and be cut down and fell, and the burden that was upon it shall be cut off, for the Lord has spoken it. Well, he said, you know, pray for the key of David, and so we prayed that, and so I I think it was later that week, I get a phone call from, uh, his name's Benjamin Birdo, and he said, uh, Carol, I want to meet with you, and I said, okay, let's meet, and so we went over to uh, a coffee house, and we sat down, and he puts these uh, sheets of paper in front of me, and on the top of the sheet of paper is like the picture of the Star of David, and underneath on the other sheet, I noticed something is underneath it. And so I pick up the piece of paper and there's a key. And, and now Benjamin, I I just want to say this. He, he wasn't in our meeting on Sunday, you know, nor had he heard about it uh, because I, you know, not fully interrogated him, but I wanted to know if he knew anything about it. He said, no, he didn't. And, and so there's this key taped on the sheet of paper. Now, mind you, on Sunday... I was. We were praying and saying, "God, we want a key. Of, we want the key of David." And now here Thursday it is, a man is coming to me, Benjamin, with a, a piece of paper with a key on it. And uh, and so I, I I looked down at the key and it says Westfield on it, and I said, uh, Benjamin, you know what is this key about? And he says, Well, it's it's a key from Westfield, New York. And he said, The Lord wants you to have it. And I said, Well. Well, what's this key about? And so he says, well, uh, this key is to the uh, largest vineyard in the world. It's the largest grape producer in the world. And uh, the Lord told me to give it to you. And so I, I started after that meeting, I thought, well, this is profound because, you know, we prayed on Sunday for the Key of David. And now we got this key and it's to the largest vineyard in the world. And it's in a place called Westfield, New York. And so I said, well, uh, uh, I'm going to look into it. So I I did some Google work and I started to look into it. And I found out that this vineyard uh, used to be called Crossroads. And now, mind you, in the ministry, I had been teaching and preaching on coming into your inheritance and what it meant to have an inheritance and how that Abraham was promised by God land and seed. And uh, I had just made you know, like a a statement a couple weeks before this, before Danilo came in, about how that you could have, you know, if, if your dad gave you a car and filled it up with gas and said, it's yours, but he never gave you a key, it wouldn't have any ability to mobilize and you wouldn't be able to go anywhere. So that it was possible that our father had given us an inheritance, but without the key to turn the proverbial car on, you couldn't operate in the inheritance that you had been given. And that God had made all these, the Lord, you know, has made all these precious promises to us. But, you know, without the key, there's no way to ignite it, uh, to go somewhere. And so I had been talking about this in the context of Abrahamic faith and the grace of the Lord. Well, I started to look into this place in Crossroads and find out that there was an encounter that happened there between a little girl named Grace Bedell with Abraham Lincoln when he was campaigning for the president of the United States to bring the nation together. And I, you know, thinking, wow, this is profound. Uh, here's Abraham Lincoln and here's a little Grace. And what happened was Grace came up to Abraham Lincoln and told him he should grow his beard back out because he wasn't that attractive of a man without it. Now it's a funny story. I, you You can look it up yourself if you'd like to. But, you know, here's this great American president that's going to really solve a crisis in our nation. And, wow, there's so much to be said about that, but he's going to bring our nation together. And it's in this place called Crossroads, which is the exact same place, Westfield, New York, where this key comes from, the unity of an entire nation. And so... um, Again, you can look into it more, and so I'm like, "Wow, what a key to receive!" And uh, this is this is the key to uh, the nation at crossroads, and uh, that happened back in uh, around 1860. Well, we leave from that meeting that day, and I uh, let's see, where do we go to eat? We went to eat at Jason's Deli in Asheville, and Karen and I and the kids are sitting down at Jason's Deli. And I, I tell you what, I this is the wildest thing, but the pastor of the Vineyard Church, Tom Camacho, is sitting right beside us would get this, Kent Henry. The man who spoke to my dad some 20-something years before that, that the latter in, would be greater than the former. And I'm just sitting there, like, eating my salad, in awe of God and how the father weaves these stories together and places things together. And I, you know, I, I, this realization starts to happen to me. Wait a minute. You know, you know, I'm thinking about the disunity that's in our nation, that the Lord's saying I'm going to bring a unification. I'm, I'm given a key for the largest vineyard in the world and I'm going to unite the vineyard with my heart of government that the Lord, you know, because he's been sharing this with me for years, I'm going to bring my government in. uh, It's a Melchizedek order, and I'm going to cause that government to be the greatest blessing to the vineyard on a global scale, and I'm going to bring the North and the South together, and I'm going to take that all this disunity that's happened between different races, between gender, you know, the male and female, and uh Jew and a and, uh, uh, Gentile, and I'm going to cause this great middle wall partition to be broken down. I'm going to end this uh, diversion that's has come against us loving one another. And I'm like sitting there with that key, you know, and knowing that the Holy Spirit has said this to dad, that your latter end is going to be greater than your former. And uh, that he's going to shake uh, the church uh and and shake the nation and bring a movement of government into place. And he's gonna do it by his grace. And uh, you know, I just many times and I you know, I don't know exactly how all of you feel, but I, I just want to say this and this is why I started out with what I did is Many of us, many of us, I I, I believe, that are involved in this great move and work of God, we need to stay in the ring. You know, a lot of people may be uh, pointing fingers at us and saying uh, different things, but we we really need to stick it out with the Lord. Uh, Not to worry about all the criticism and not to get wrapped up in someone else's flattery. But but to just remain in there and, and be vigorous about what God has placed in our hearts and not let go. Uh, we're contending with the Father for something that he's promising us. Hey, look, I, I can take care of the financial dilemma. I can take care of your internal infrastructure issues. I can take care of this, this great end time plan. I have the key. And I'm, I believe that the world would say to you that I'm wanting to hand off keys and the key of David for for governmental rule that's, that seems like, hey, it's individual, but it's going to bring the greatest collective good. The Lord, the Lord by His grace, is not going to uh, cause an individuality so much so that it separates us from the collective, nor is He going to put all the emphasis on the collective and dismiss the individual. I mean, in this, what He does is He brings... The, the government and the vineyard together and, and turns it into something just so profound. This latter end is going to be greater than our former. He's going to shake the earth again in uh, and, and a greater way than what anything that we've seen in the past. And I want to encourage you that Jesus said that we've been given the keys to the kingdom. And I want to encourage you to come into a place with us, you know, in the remnant of declaring what the Father says to you um, through the Lord by the Holy Spirit and saying what he says uh, back to him, that, that the Lord is, is going to bring in a great end time harvest and, and uh, love on us in his vineyard and, uh, and stick it out and be faithful. Lord, we just thank you today for this podcast, uh, and thank you. Connect all the dots for us. I pray that there's probably somebody that's going to listen to this that's from Westfield, New York, or who's had experience with Crossroads. I mean, I just imagine, Lord, with you, there's so many different uh, people that are connecting with this right now, because they like saying, you know, I, I've got that Abrahamic call in my life. I've Got the desire to see uh seed and land come forth. I've got a desire to see this nation turned around and, and my nation turned around. I've got a desire, Lord, to see a great uh, movement of uh, of children brought into the kingdom. And Lord, that we, we'll stay in the ring and we keep uh, faithfully discharging your duty and and not giving up because you you give a promise I'm gonna take care of you. And this latter end is going to be greater than its former, and you are going to solve all the problems, Lord, of these political and religious and economic system that's been corrupt. And you are going to bring some something in that's not corrupt anymore. That the basis of it is your love, and you are going to you are going to push out the politicization of the church and the and the religious the religious aspect of the church that's not really authentically yours, and and this false thing with money, Lord. that, that seeks after material things before putting you first. These false claims to prosperity that are outside of a relationship with you. We want to be in relationship with you, Father. In your name we pray, amen.
1: in the sky And our eyes have been